Welcome to our new season of Thursdays with Third Path Live podcasts. Every episode, you will meet thought leaders, role models, and change agents connected to the Third Path community. We've got an exciting season planned where we will be exploring why the new ideal employee is someone just like you, someone who wants to integrate work and life. And if you're inspired by what you hear today, please share our podcast with some of you know and join us again next month. All right, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about this feeling that many of us might experience where we, if you think about our lives as kind of a glass of water, sometimes it feels like that glass is overflowing with too much going on, too much work, too much life. Sometimes it's even both that feel like it's just too much. And unfortunately, a lot of times we feel like maybe we're the problem, but I hope today's Live podcast helps you see that this is not as simple as just blaming ourselves. So what's filling up our glass? For those who are listening in today, not seeing the images in our YouTube video, I'm showing six different parts of a glass. The first part is the tasks at work that you're responsible for. And sometimes organizations just give you too long a list of important tasks. And or maybe you're doing a new task and it's just very hard to predict how long it's gonna to take to get it done. Or maybe you're just doing too many low priority tasks that take up your whole work day. But if you're a team leader, it's also who your team is that makes a big difference. Frequent turnover can really cause problems for leaders and a skilled manager will be able to build a strong team where everybody is supported to work in a more flexible way. But that takes time. Here's the one that I think Alex is gonna be talking about with me. Alex Pang is the author of Shorter. You'll hear a little bit more about him in, in, a, in a little bit later. It's the idea that we might have some work norms in our organizations that are perpetuating a problem of overwork. One that he talks about in the book is meetings. Maybe too much of our days are spent in meetings. Um, you don't have any time for quiet, focused work. Another one is if you manage clients, maybe there isn't any norms that there's some limits set on how often or how easily a client can get a hold of you, maybe even getting a hold of you on vacation. But what we're really trying to talk about today in a few different ways is this concept of boundary setting. And what you're gonna see is that when organizations get smarter about boundary setting, that they can really create a smarter workplace for everybody involved. And so in particular, a four-day work week or a 32-hour work week that's very clear in its goal of setting those boundaries helps us get smarter about how we get our work done. At Third Path, we don't actually do a specific four-day work week, but everybody does work reduced hours. And we are very intentional about the boundaries of when we're working and when we're not working. And we'll probably raise that issue later today because this is the big issue. Are people in your organization encouraging you to set boundaries or are they letting work spill into all parts of your life? And of course, there's our own lives that can influence the situation. You know, when I was going through elder care, boy, was it hard to manage work and life responsibilities. And what we've been talking about all year long 
is that there are certain skills that you need if you want to follow an integrated life. And this is something else that we've been using our season of live podcasts to talk about these work-life integration skills. And we'll be sharing some of those today as well. In fact, if you search Thursdays with Third Path on the website, um, on our on internet, you will find our most recent um, live podcasts where we talked about some of these skills, anticipating the future, plan and prioritize, cultivating self-discipline, creating quiet work time, using technology strategically. So we've already covered some of these skills and how we can develop them both on the work side and the home side. Today, I wanted to really zero in on some additional skills. The importance of good communication, that's what makes it work at Third Path. If we wanna support people to have time for their lives, it's all about really good communication. It's also about something we call a triple win boundary. It's the idea that when you're looking for a flex solution, it's a little bit about what you need. It's a little bit about the work you do. Different jobs require different flex solutions. But it's also keeping in mind that you need a solution that works well for your colleagues at work and your clients. So who you work with, that's the triple, that's the third. Who you work with is an important part of your flex solution. And, you know, that we also will be talking about this concept of taking calculated risks. Everybody in the Third Path community has been taking some calculated risks to put these ideas into practice. And we'll be talking about that in particular today. But what I want to point out is when we get Alex on and talk a little bit more about what he's been doing with helping people who work in four-day work weeks or 32-hour work week organizations, interestingly, the risk that you need to take decreases because the whole organization from entry level to executive level is doing the same thing. They're all working a four-day work week or striving to work for a four-day work week and understanding that if they're not succeeding, there's something wrong that they need to figure out at the organizational level to help everybody achieve that goal collectively. So without further ado, I wanna invite Alex to join us. He's the author of three books. Mostly we are talking about his wonderful book, Shorter Today. Um, he's also recently joined the Four Day Week Global Organization. He's also a father and practiced some of these ideas in his own life. So, welcome, Alex. Welcome. We're so glad to have you here again. <laughs> oh, great to be with you again. <laughs> and when you see me talk about what's filling up our glass and the concept of boundary setting, how much of that sounds familiar to you and the work you've been doing to help organizations? become four-day work week organizations or 32-hour work week organizations? Yeah, you know, so the first thing that uh, that strikes me is that for companies moving to four-day weeks, establishing and learning how to maintain boundaries actually is a really important practice in that, you know, it's not just about or of, uh, about or of, you know, doing the work in four days and having a, you know, having a boundary between that fourth and that, and, you know, that fourth and fifth day, but also within the work day, there are a lot of, you know, lots of companies do have practices where they will set aside times for everyone to engage in deep focused work. You know, you have permission to be a little antisocial, not answer the phone or check email or, or so on. 
Um, but also balance that with times where, you know, coffee breaks or group lunches. And I think that the, that, in a you know, in a way that that helps at work, both to sort of help people have more time to do the stuff that really matters, um, to set aside particular time for, you know, meetings, either internal meetings or meetings with clients, you know, without also sort of destroying the kind of social life of the office. Um, and I think in a way it's, you know, it's, it's one of these simple everyday practices that turns out to carry some bigger lessons about or the importance of, you know, the importance of maintaining boundaries as a strategy for doing better work and or for having a better life that, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a lovely demonstration of how our assumption that, you know, that we, sh- that if you really enjoy what you do or you're passionate about your work or you do work that matters, that it really should spread out across your entire, you know, order of your, order of your entire day um, is, you know, sort of, this is, this is certainly something that, uh, that many of us are, it's a practice a lot of us are familiar with, but it turns out it doesn't have to be the only way that we work. And that not only are there these alternatives, but it's an alternative that we can practice uh, or we can practice very effectively if we do it together, right? That um, I think that's the other really important key that, you know, the search for this kind of balance or boundaries is if, you know, is something that can put us in conflict with our colleagues if we just try and do it ourselves. But when you do it as a group, it turns out to be a lot more sustainable and powerful and or viable. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's what that's what that's what I'm seeing in in the companies I'm working with around yeah. boundaries. Yeah, and I want to pick up on the word viable because uh, for those of you who are listening in today, you know Alex researched over a hundred organizations that were moved had moved to a four day work week or thirty two hour work week, and they all were paying their employees the same wage at that different um, number of hours of working. Because by the way, the organization continued to be as profitable when it went to this different approach. So what Alex is talking about is something that Third Pass has been looking at for years, which is when you encourage people to have a whole life and have time for a whole life, that they actually get smarter about how do they approach it. And Alex mentioned a few of those things already. And I love that you raised that it's also really being thoughtful to create time to be connected because in our increasingly hybrid workplaces, it turns out connection is really, really important. And we'll, we'll get circle back to that. But I wanted to underscore that this is organizations that are paying the same amount of money for a four-day work week or 32-hour work week because they've been able to remain as profitable with people working less. Talk about reducing the risk. You now have happier employees who have more time for their life in a world that is going faster and faster. It just seems like such a great solution for the future of work where people do have commitments outside of work, but do feel passionate about the work they're doing. And they're you're creating an answer where they can bring their whole selves to work and not feel so distracted by their lives outside of work. What are some of the barriers or resistance to this model? It seems so obviously good to me. What, what is the, where's the resistance? 
in terms of sort of risks, I think that the what you see is companies generally looking to a four day week when they have some kind of existential crisis, right? Mm. Or of but you've got challenges with um, uh, with recruitment or with retention of key people. You have a founder who is you know who sees they've been, you know, is going to burn out in the next, you know, six months if they don't make some radical change. And so really there were, so there's a category of companies who feel like they have nothing to lose. And the four day week is a way of obviously could do great damage to sort of, to the, sort of, uh, to their, to their organizations. And what we see is that, you know, across all of these companies, you see improvements in retention, you see, you know, often or of, um, you know, sort of multiples, uh, you get sort of better, higher quality applicants um, applying for open positions, you know, uh, especially in small companies that are like competing with, you know, with much bigger, you know, bigger, better funded ones sort of for talent. Um, and generally it creates an environment that in which the work becomes sort of more sustainable and, or of uh, and sort of more doable for everybody, even though they're doing the same amount of important work, right? They're being more. Uh, partly, it's about getting rid of things that don't matter that much, or of or outsourcing or automating less uh, or of less significant tasks. Using the four day week as an incentive to really rethink how the company works and what everyone needs to work on, um, but also by you know doing this in a way in which you encourage people to experiment with new ways of working ways of working with their teams and this gives people a greater sense of control over their work which of course has a real a really important impact on how you know sort of how you interpret even working more intensively you know not as something that is sort of stressful in the same way but um is something that is challenging but sort of rewarding yeah so you know, i think that the sort of that's uh, and then to touch on the sort of the communication thing you know one of the one of the other things i see is that there were your companies it is difficult to over communicate um in sort of uh, in four day week companies whether it's over scheduling handoffs between teams whether it's over sort of social norm social and cultural norms or goals that places that you know in which people feel able to share successes and failures to talk about rules to talk about new practices that is one of the key things for sort of uh, that differentiates companies that are able to do this from companies that really struggle. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's so interesting that you mentioned over communicating because I'm going to uh, introduce Amy Beacom shortly, and uh, she's going to be talking about the idea that um, when you there's a real opportunity around parental leave for parents to to think about some of these ideas and put them into action, and a big part of making that successful is communication with your partner with your colleagues at work, with your boss, um, and that in general, you know, to, to live a, an integrated life is all about communication. You can't just mm -hmm. assume things. Um, and so it's really, even though you're using the word over-communicate, I, I want to emphasize communication is so critical to successful working habits. And so what it really is doing is sharpening a quintessential skill, which is good communication and good communication norms 
at workplaces that help everything work smarter. Um, there's so much more we could say, but to make sure we can get to everybody's questions today, I'm going to introduce Amy Beacom. But I first want to put up a couple more slides, and then we'll uh, we'll see where we go after that. All right. So you're going to be hearing from Amy Beacom. She's got this wonderful book out, uh, the Parental Leave Playbook. Um, as you can see in that quote, although she's talking about parental leave and as an individual, how you can make smarter choices, or as an organization, how you can make smarter choices around parental leave, that this is really about creating better workplaces. And that I love her point. And this is true for Alex's um, book as well. We're talking about positive societal impacts from these changes. So yes, we're doing this for ourselves, but what we're really talking about here is creating a better society that supports our lives alongside of being excellent at work. You can actually, I'll put the slide up in a second, get a longer description of Amy's book. Um, I'll tell you where in a second. Um, but basically it's, the idea is that there's kind of three phases that you're thinking about. You're preparing for leave um, and that you're assessing kind of what are the strengths that you bring into this process. You're taking your leave and you're getting smart about what you want to advocate for. And then you're returning from leave. Guess what? If you're a first time parent, you've never been a parent before. And so you're assessing again, acknowledging, hey, wow, I thought I was going to want X, but it turns out I want Y. And so her book does a great job of taking you through these three different phases of uh, preparing for leave as an individual. But Amy brings a lot of skills and knowledge about what workplaces can be thinking about this as well. And if you're excited to hear more about either Alex's book or Amy's book, we've had them on previous podcasts um, and you can find them on our YouTube channel as well. So there's lots more information you can learn about both Amy and Alex. All right. So Amy, so glad you're here. <laughs> Although we were talking yeah. about, um, you know, uh, four day work weeks and organizations adopting the whole thing. I thought there were so many overlaps between what you're trying to teach an individual or an organization around parental leave. When you listened in, what struck you as uh, co some common themes? Oh, it's it's exciting to hear because it's of course, as you you told me I would the whole time Alex was talking, I was like, oh, that's true about what I'm doing. That's true about parental leave. Um, and I think that uh, just to start with the conversation around boundaries and communication, um, the way that we let me say this a little differently. My background is in organizational psychology. So I don't come to this work because I necessarily love babies and want to talk about babies all day, although I do. I come to it because I really believe that our work is an integral part of our lives and how we do that well matters for all of us. And so one of the, what sits behind um, the parental leave playbook is these 10 touch points that everyone navigates through during this transitional timeframe, that's roughly a year of life that you, you talked about those three phases. 
Um, and all of the skills and abilities and supports and leadership development practices that we talk about throughout that time frame um, don't just matter during that time frame. I choose it as a mo- an entry point and a moment that most people experience, roughly 80% of people experience at some point in their career life cycle, becoming a working parent. And it's really that moment when that that work-life conflict vice gets turned a little bit tighter and everyone wakes up to this being an issue. And so if we can hit it at that moment when it becomes an issue and put strong practices and skills in place then within our organizations and within our individuals, um, we will be better off all around. So boundaries um, really come alive when you are working parent and you're going back to work and you're trying to figure out how to do that. So it's a perfect opportunity to have those boundary discussions. Um, I think before I did this work, I did executive development work and leadership offsite. So I think of the parental leave timeframe as the most overlooked leadership development opportunity, but really it's an experiential learning opportunity that pay, you know, any of those offsites I ever did pales in comparison to what we have to harness there. So um, I like to talk to our clients around thinking about the different types of boundaries that they might be able to put into place. Um, This builds off of Ed Batista's work, who is a a brilliant thinker um, in this area. So he talks about time boundaries, physical boundaries, and mental boundaries. And what I like about Alex's work is it's doing all of those. It's really thinking thinking that through um, and, and creating that and creating those conversations around it to make it happen. Um, we also talk about uh, boundary management styles, and that's off of um, Dr. Kosick's work and her book, I think I'm trying to remember what's called, A CEO of Me, the yep. amount of that. Um, so what she's talking about there is there's different types, there's integrators, there's separators, and then there's cyclers. So how you like to work with your time. And I think that's an important part of this conversation because we boundaries aren't just one way for everybody. Some people like to work in a very integrated way. Some people like to work in a very separated way. Some people choose choose depending on the situation and where they are that day. So I I just don't want that to get lost. Um, anyway, I could keep going on and on, but I don't know how much time we have. No, um, I, I and so what my takeaway is, uh, as, as you and I've talked before, parental leave is this incredible opportunity for people to jump into this discussion very in a very real time because they are um, experiencing, as you said, the vice tighten up um, mm-hmm. and that there's only you know, nothing's going to change the fact that there's 24 hours in the day. And so, you know, know, parents are real-time experiencing the desire to do a great job at work and to also be a great parent. And and so that, you know, Amy's helped us in her book show that this is an opportunity. So if you're at that point in your life and you're listening into this um, live podcast today and you want help thinking about this opportunity get Amy's book. In fact, <laughs> Amy, you have um, something that people can do if they're planning to have a 
uh, have a, a new family member enter enter their house before February. What is it that you're offering for for people? Oh, oh, as we do, um, part of my company, the Center for Parental Leave Leadership, does certification for parental. We have the only certification program for parental leave coaches in our methods, and um, as part of that program, we have free coaching in January. So if you are due February or later, or you have someone that you are managing who's due February or later, we are offering free practice coaching for our coaching cohort. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll give that information to you, Jessica. Thank you yeah. for mentioning that. Yeah, no. So, so we're, we're hoping what you're doing and listening in today is this realization that there are organizations doing things differently. Alex showed us that. There are people using parental leave managers, employees to think differently around how they can do work in life. In a little minute, we're going to introduce one more person to talk about how this, what this means for the future of work for the next generation. But before we go there, there's one more thing I want to talk about, Amy. You mentioned how parental leave is this incredible developmental opportunity. I want to mm -hmm. underscore that for a second, because one of the things we've learned at Third Path is the act of trying to live an integrated life, even before you have a child, or if you never plan to have a child, the act of trying to live an integrated life helps you learn to be a better manager. I'm going to tell you why I think that's true. And then I want to hear if you agree with me, because what you're doing is, and we've seen this over and over again, when you're encouraging people to live an integrated life, like Alex and I talked about, they're learning good communication skills. You know, they are learning empathy. They are learning diversity. They are learning that how they're solving it now is different than how they're going to solve it later. And that somebody in their team might have different approaches that they need to learn about too. And so we really believe that, you know, without any cost to the organization, encouraging people to live an integrated life helps them create more creative, more empathetic, better communicators who then can become excellent managers. What do you think about that, Amy? You know, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I agree. And the reason why I believe that parental leave is that important time frame and why I encourage people to think about it this way is because it's the moment that gives us practice in that. It is an overt, conscious time where we can build these pieces in and practice them. So, for example, you were talking about communication as part of our leave planning tools. There's a keep in touch strategy. Um, and that is all about communication. So you're consciously practicing, how do I want to be communicated with? And then communicating that. How do I expect to communicate? Where can I um, set my team up so that they know what to expect of me? So any of these places where you're practicing that communication and then being held accountable for it, you are honing communication as a clarity and integrity tool in your toolbox. So I, I could go through that with every single of these things that we talk about and how to use this time to really do that and, and how we've built it into the program. But of course, I absolutely agree with that. I'll give an example too. There was something that Alex said earlier. Um, I, I think, oh, hold on. I just wrote down the word 
earlier um, when you were talking about practicing doing it together, that having that four day week really sets you up to do it well together. We see the same thing in parental leave when managers are leading well. And so I had a client recently who um, had a hard deadline, not deadline, sorry, boundary that she was trying to keep so that she didn't hit traffic, that she needed to leave the office at 5.15. If she left any later, it was an hour longer commute. And she came back from leave. This was a thing that was really important to her. And so we talked about talking to her manager about it, setting that boundary. And she did. And then she started to slip. And then it was 5.15, then it was 5.20, then it was 5.25. And on the fourth day, her manager came out of his cubicle, stood up so that everyone in the entire room could see and said, hey, Jessica, it's 5.15, let's go. And and made a statement about it for the entire team so that he set that expectation and he walked out with her. And from then on, the team did as well. So it was a really beautiful way to show we're setting this culture, we're setting this boundary, we're we're in this together. Um, so I just, that was yeah. the, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, and yeah, no, absolutely. And so to me, the, the, uh, the future is bright because mm-hmm. we have workplaces that are thinking differently. We have moments in our life cycle that really open up an opportunity for us to think differently. Um, and that what third pass has been advocating all year long is the idea that there's a new ideal employee. That new ideal employee is an integrated employee. And I would argue as an employer, you actually want to interview and listen to people who have a life outside of work and see how they've done that successfully and then bring those people into your organization because they're going to have all those skills we were talking about. They're going to be good at prioritization, good at communication, good at triple win boundary setting. And so I believe the future workplace needs to look for people who bring an integrated approach. That's the new ideal employee. With that in mind, I want to introduce one more person into our discussion today. We've been talking about too many of us feel like our glass is overflowing. And that, you know, in order to get to a place where we live an integrated life, by the way, you can't fill your glass up to the top. Most of the time, you should actually leave a little room at the top of your glass for the unexpected. And um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I love a four-day work week is it leaves a little room for the life side and the work side and the unexpected on both directions. So what's filling up our glass And what we've been learning about is that there's some skills we need to uh, develop ourselves to get smarter about this. And there's things our organizations need to be doing differently to support us to get smarter about this. We've been hearing about how there are 32 hour work week places out there, four day work week places out there. We've been hearing about how parental leave is an opportunity to do things differently. But what about right from the start of your career? What if you're thinking about these issues and you want to live an integrated life and you may or may not have family, but you want to have time for a life um, and find an organization that really supports you to live an integrated life? Well, that's why I invited one more person to our discussion today, Pilar McDonald. She's the founder of Project Matriarch. I'll let her talk a little bit about what that is in a second. 
And when we're all together, this is going to be our chance to have your questions answered. I put up some questions as well. So while we're waiting for you to put your questions in the chat box, we can talk about some of these things. You know, when's the right time to start thinking about all this stuff? How will this play out when I'm looking for a job? And how is money related to lowering the risk? So these are some things we'll talk about while we're waiting for you to put up your chat questions. I'm so glad to have Pilar joining us today. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know it's a busy time of year to be a student and make time for extra things, um, but here you are prioritizing, uh, communicating, doing all this stuff that we've been talking about. When you hear Alex talk about these future workplaces, or Amy talk about these future opportunities, as someone who's you know thinking ahead about your career, what comes to mind? Is this exciting for you? Does it make you more hopeful? Do you have questions for them? Yes, all good <laughs> questions. Um, my name is Pilar, yeah, yes to, to all. Um, I think, yeah, I'm at a point where I am definitely very hopeful and excited. And I think that there is a lot of clear momentum on this. And as I'm sure everyone who's listening knows, but the pandemic really was an opportunity to kind of highlight and demonstrate and put that all into light. Um, which I think can be catalyzing for the movement and um, really important. That being said, I think each year, each semester that kind of goes by, um, I am more nervous to go into the workplace and what does this really look like and how do I continue um, this working on this from the outside once I'm in the workplace, you know, like obviously as we see everyone's time is valuable and gets taken up quickly. And so I really want to be able to use this timeline still in school to be able to focus on kind of preparing and supporting peers and creating a movement around making that a more supportive environment. Um, but it definitely does feel like time is clicking away. And so wanting to make sure that this, the urgency um, stays clear and stands with college students and young people, but also kind of um, supporters and allies from outside of that to make sure that this is a moment that isn't just passed um, because it's not necessarily as visible or necessary today versus tomorrow or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so one of the things that you guys are doing is trying to think about what would a workplace look like to really support people to have time for their lives. And you've been kind of creating conversations with other students about what can, what can we do to influence change? And you're going to be at that precipice where you're trying to find a workplace that really hopefully where you can practice what you've been preaching. Um, when you think about what you've heard today, do you feel hopeful? And if you don't, I have some ideas about how to help people think about this juncture where you're looking for work and trying to find the right workplace that I want to share. But when you think about trying to find that organization, do you see a lot of your peers successful at finding places that really support you to have a whole life? Or is that still a struggle out there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that is one of the things that we are struggling with the most and frustration is not necessarily the right word, but um, kind of where my lack of hope comes from and that there are clearly so many young people um, who are committed to making these decisions and wanting to seek out and support workplaces that do make these adjustments and really prioritize providing policies that are supportive of families and kind of of that work-life balance and all the things um, that Alex and Amy, you've been talking about. Um, I think where that comes to head is kind of all these other societal pressures that are coming at us, whether it's the economy, um, 
all the other, I don't know, just all the other social injustices that are kind of occurring that are really hitting our generation and asking young people to make these sacrifices often is hard if it is going for a workplace because there aren't enough workplaces that are really prioritizing this and supporting it um, that, you know, making that decision can sometimes not be what's most financially feasible for everyone or what makes the most sense for every college student. Um, And so I think that they're, yes, like we are excited definitely about the young people who are proud and excited to come forward and be vocal about these ideas and quickly realizing that that must also come with employer shift or programs like you all are working on, but that that needs to be reflected in the employers and the workplaces in order to continue to have that momentum of young people being involved and passionate about it. Um, Because I think it does get to a certain point as we've seen from previous generations, but where that hope and excitement and and drive um, isn't necessarily lost, but where other things become more of the priority. And so I think that there really is this opportunity when our generation is activated around this issue, especially after the pandemic um, or during the pandemic in in these waves um, and about to go into the workplace where the conjunction of worker workplaces and young people standing up to be able to find that, that point of meeting is really important. Yeah. And actually I'm glad you raised it because, you know, if you think about it, I mean, one simple problem that the American society has is if you're graduating with huge college debt, it becomes very hard to imagine some solutions, but putting that huge and important issue aside for a second, the truth is money and these issues are very intimately connected. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk a little bit about is, and and kind of share this, something I've learned over the years is that getting out of the box of um, creating more opportunity around work-life integration is thinking differently about money too. Again, putting this huge college debt problem aside, that uh, if you go to Third Pass website this month, you'd see on our blog posts a very innovative way that a young woman figured out how to make its work, where she figured out how to keep her expenses low, pay off her debt so that she would have then more time and energy to find a workplace that was supportive of her work-life integration goals. But I also think there's something we could be doing proactively trying to figure out a network of being able to share with people more progressive workplaces that are already in existence and, you know, really getting the word out that this place is a four day work week paying a a good wage. Um, And so it's, there's something that we can do collectively to start putting a spotlight on organizations that are already doing this differently. There's one last idea I want to give um, out there. Then I'm going to see if Pilar wants to add any other thoughts about, you know, ways to navigate this juncture when you're trying to go out in the world looking for jobs. And then I'll ask Amy if she has any suggestions or Alex. But, you know, there is this um, interesting truth of finding the right workplace can make a huge difference. My last observation is even if you are in a less supportive workplace, you can still make change. And by the way, for the last 20 years, so many people in the third path community were in less supportive workplaces and they still figured out how to make change. And a lot of it is some willingness to take a risk early on and see how your organization responds. One of my board members uh, started teaching a class during the work day as a way to see 
Was his organization going to allow him time and energy to teach something during the day and time shift his hours to some other time um, so that he could start practicing work-life integration skills and they would start being supportive of him doing that? So there's ways to kind of start looking at your workplace right there and then no matter where you are and trying some things differently or learning how to like turn off work on vacation, even if others aren't doing it. This is a skill set we can start practicing that will help us learn how to work in an integrated way. And we'll be able to see whether others are actually um, responding positively or negatively to our attempts to set some boundaries in smart ways. Uh, Pilar, not to put you on the spot, you might have a thought you want to share about any of this. Then I'll ask Amy if she has any advice for young people at this juncture. Um, any thoughts, Pilar? None required. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing we are doing at Project Matriarchs through an initiative we launched last year called our Pledge to Care is really focusing on kind of asking young people in job interviews to prioritize this. And so being able to take that next step of this is something I care about before I even get the job, before I'm there, which serves the dual purpose of being able to kind of scope out if this is a workplace that is supportive of parent and family friendly policies, as well as kind of just a flexible workplace in and of itself. And it also serves the purpose of showing employers and people interviewing them that this is something that our generation and people looking for these jobs cares about. And so, you know, one thing we are pushing for is if everyone signs on to just asking that one question of what are your parental leave policies like, or what does this look like, you know, what, or can we speak to a, an experience of an employee who has had a child or what is balancing that look like and all the kind of questions that you guys are asking every day. Um, but if we could get that in the door through the interviews, what would that look like changing it for both sides? Yay. And so again, go to our website, read Andrea's story, our recent blog post. And she did just that Pilar. She made sure she had time to really do a, a long job search. And she actually observed, are the people at this organization parents? Are the leaders parents? What do their lives look like? Um, and so you're so on target that uh, equipping people to think smart about how to look at an organization um, will make a big difference. Um, Amy, there might be some advice we have for this next generation who could really help. We could keep them on track to making change. And then I'll ask <laughs> Alex the same. Uh, well, knowing what Pledge to Care is doing and everyone should go sign that um, and, and promote it any way that they can. They're already on the right track. I think the only thing that I want to say is it can be easy to underestimate your input and your value. I like what you were saying, Jessica, about going into organizations that may not be that way already. A lot of them aren't that way already maliciously. They're just not that way because no one has asked or challenged them to be different. And so, um, we, we talk a lot about parental leave as a sort of ask, don't assume time, right? <laughs> and making those things overt. And so you can practice that muscle during parental leave. But also going into an organization, we see people all the time. It's always been done this way. They just assume that it can't be changed. Um, so I guess I would just say that. The other thing I see for for Pilar's generation coming in is how much the older generations are looking to them because they see them as so brave. They're the ones who are asking those questions in the interview and cutting that path for them. And 
they're the ones who are going home or not letting things interfere. So in many ways, the older generations are depending on you and excited, you know, just like, please get more of them in there because they're not putting up with it. And we have for so long and we're in this pattern, but if they can clear it for us, we're going to be benefiting too. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Listening to us today got me thinking about something, Alex, I'm going to see if you have some advice for helping people transition to more progressive workplaces. But before we hear from you, Alex, listening to today's conversations, reminding me, Pilar, way back a thousand years ago, I was working in a nonprofit and I did not have kids. It was early in my career. And I had made two decisions that were really smart. I had figured out how, and again, I know this is you know very hard today, but I had figured out how to live very affordably. Um, and then I asked for an 80% schedule, not because I had kids, just because I wanted to have a life. And I started seeing that people would say yes. Um, and so I think there is some experimentation that you can do early in your career that could help you um, build your muscle up that uh, this is possible um, and and give you courage to keep on asking for different ways to do things. Alex, any advice for that next generation around uh, these ideas that we've been talking about today? I suppose the two things are, you know, number one, that the more this can be sort of something that you push for with others, the more powerful it's going to be and the more sustainable. The second is that the, 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 in terms of sort of kind of pioneering new practices, but not making it sound sort of too alien, that you know, one of the things that four-day week companies find is that you know, it's not about just working less, but rather sort of figuring out ways, it essentially kind of redesigning the relationship between sort of work and time and professionalism or passion, that moving to a four-day week is not just about, um, you know, getting a sort of medal for showing up or sort of, you know, or, you know, or just working, just working less, but rather sort of figuring out how you can do, you know, sort of, sort of how you can how you can think about professional success or advancement or the cultivation of skills, not as something that is intrinsically tied to working ever longer hours, but rather as something that involves the cultivation of sort of skills around better collaboration or of working more effectively or of having greater respect for your own time and for everybody else's. And this is a, and that's hard stuff. And so I think that the uh, that um, or the more the more that that for some organizations being able to or if, uh, to relate to relate this search to sort of the uh, to the development of professional of or of professional norms and sort of expression of a desire to do good work is possible. And I think might make it sort of more sort of palatable and sometimes intriguing for yeah. sort of organizations where that's always mattered. Yeah. To use your line, you're saying to your employer, I want to work smarter. Yeah. I want to come in and work smarter. I don't want to just keep on throwing more time at something. That's not necessarily the way to work smarter. Um, and I can bring a bunch of skills that I've been practicing all my life certainly used them when I was in college to, to really use my time effectively. I think the other thing I'm hearing you say, Alex, is 
you know, you get the whole of me too. And I'm a creative person at work and I'm a creative person outside of work. And you get that whole of me when I come in and solve things at work, that's going to help me create things and solve things in a smarter way too. I want to encourage people, if you're listening in, that you might have a question. Sergio is going to be reading those questions. If you put some in the chat box, um, this is an opportunity. I've asked all of our guests to stay a little longer today so that we can really have a discussion with and help you think about the next step you want to take around becoming that new ideal employee. Don't let lose track of it. I really think this is the future. And you can hold on to that goal and your organization will benefit. So I think that the, you know, it's sort of, it's a, it's it's an illustration maybe of how sort of, uh, of sort of mentorship going both ways, perhaps. Um, the, the, you know, the other thing that I note is that virtually everybody who tells the story of, about why they implement a four-day week in their company sort of talks about wanting of people coming up in the organization to not have the same kinds of terrible experiences that they did, right? <laughs> that, um, you know, that- Parental leave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, yeah, Alex. I, yeah, I had done, yeah, no, that, you know, you know, I did years of 70 hour weeks and sort of, it actually really sucked. And it's, it's also not necessary and it drives out a lot of people who otherwise could have great careers in this sort of in this industry. And I think we can do it better. And so I think that the, you know, that, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm very heartened that in an era when we think that success is about sleeping under your desk, that, um, you know, that there are, there are people who, you know, who are very noted in their professions, um, you know, who are willing to, who are willing to take that kind of stand and say, we're going to change the way that the entire company works in part to model this kind of behavior for a next generation of, you know, of workers and leaders so that they don't have to, you know, continue this sort of stupid, abusive way of, of, of working that, you know, sort of that I had to endure. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think that, uh, the you know, pick up Alex's book and you'll see this isn't about a sloppy workplace. This is about a smarter workplace where people are producing the same excellent results, just working in a smarter way four days right. a week and how that works better in a world that's going faster and faster. It's just so much smarter to do it this way. All right. So, um, as you can see, uh, we have really figured out how to create a conversation where you can learn something new, and we want to make sure that you can continue the conversation. So don't forget, uh, you can do this by joining our Trailblazer Facebook group. You can join us on social media, and you can come back every second Thursday of the month for another event. And just a reminder, we are a nonprofit who has been successfully building a community of role models and change agents. So please help us continue this work and support our free resources like these Thursdays with Third Path Podcasts by making a small monthly or annual donation through our website. Some last wisdom. Alex, thank you for doing the work you're doing. You are making better workplaces. What's the last thought you have to share? Um, the last thought, 
uh, tries to connect back to uh, or to uh, to, uh, to Amy's work and sort of family and sort of smart family leave policies, which is that you know one of the when you one of the things that happens with four day week companies is that not only is it possible for people to become parents and as one of them put it to be fully a parent and fully a CEO rather than feeling like I'm doing half of one and half of the other, um, but also they come to see. Of, uh, they come to see working parents as possessing the kinds of skills, organizational skills, empathy, a, a certain degree of ruthlessness about sort of their time and respect for everybody's time that is really valuable in a four-day week company in a way that uh, that it is not always sort of uh, not always valued in more conventional firms. And I think that this, you know, part of what this points to is or it underlines that sort of that for all companies, especially in the future, that I think well-designed parental leave policies can be seen by leadership as a way to build skills in that sort of will uh, that will improve companies. Right? That this is yeah. this is you know it's it's more you know it's more than sort of a recruitment technique or uh, but rather it is it should be seen as in as a kind of investment in abilities that will serve both sort of the individual and the organization over the long run. So yeah. that's my last thought. Oh, it's yeah, Amy's so thrilled you said that. And I just want to point out the obvious. You also have a place where men and women can equally take a four-day work week. And so mm-hmm. one of the third past um, always been focused on is that it becomes normalized for men to have a four-day work week and have that day for parenting if that's what they want or elder care as well. So you've created a, a normalized workspace where people can have time to care, which is what we're all about. Amy, thank you for doing the work you're doing to make a better <laughs> workplace. What's your last thought? Um, my last thought sort of relates to what Alex is saying is I'm just seeing the thread of policy and practice throughout this conversation. And I know when, especially with parental leave, people's mind usually goes straight to policy. What's the policy? So I just encourage your listeners and watchers to really be thoughtful about how their policy choices and how they write those policies need to be coupled with the practice that they're trying to get out of them. And so for Alex, it's a policy to have a four day work week, but what does that mean for your organization? How, um, how do you, what do you want it to look like in your culture? So with parental leave, you can have a policy, but that's usually just about pay when someone's away, how you put it into practice before, during, and after for that manager, for that team, for your HR, for that new parent is what will make it an important and useful policy that you haven't wasted your money on. So I think um, that just to consider those, how those interplay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they can't survive. One without the other doesn't work, I guess. Yep, no. Policy is just words on paper. Yep, yep, absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you everybody for listening in today. Thank you for my guests. Really appreciate it. Really, really wonderful call. And tune again next month. All right. Bye-bye.